You're listening to the Grace Covenant Statesville audio podcast. This morning, I'm going to talk about going through the storm. And, and I love, Julia, thank you so much for leading us in worship. And, and the rest of the team, you guys are awesome. Um, and we sang songs about going through the storm and seeing God, keeping our eyes on Jesus through the storm. And I want to talk about that for a bit because I know that all of us face storms in life. In fact, some of you may be facing a pretty difficult storm currently in, in this season. When we, when we stepped in this whole COVID thing several months ago, I don't think any of us had an idea of what was to come. I sure didn't. I'm, a, I'm an optimist. Anybody else an optimist? Okay, good. There's a few optimists in here. So you guys will like me. Everybody else might not like me. But I'm an optimist. And so I was like, yeah, two weeks tops. You know, we're hearing the, the, the stories come out and the data that was coming out. And I was like, two weeks tops, we'll be through this, right? If, well, in my mind, I'm like, let's just open it up. Everybody gets sick. And then, no, I'm kidding. We, maybe we should, no. So... We hit the season, and now we're at this point where so many have been devastated and rocked by circumstances. I, I know several families who, like the dad, had to go to a different state because of, of work. I know several families who both parents have lost their jobs. We know some families who, who are sick and severely sick. In fact, uh, one guy from the Cornelius campus, he had a, a, a temperature between 100 and 104 for 21 days. And on the 21st day while visiting the doctor, found out he had pneumonia. He, he tested positive for COVID. And so, I, listen, I know that right now things are tough. In our nation, we're, we're facing so many different difficulties and trials and, uh, and some things that are really devastating to our communities, the, the racial injustice and just the things that are accompanying. It's just crazy right now. Would you agree? So here we are going through the storms and each one of us are facing different storms. So we have the things that face us as a community and maybe as a church, but we also have storms that each one of us are individually or maybe as a family we're facing. And, and sometimes we don't even share with others what those storms are. This story that we're going to go through in the Bible, and we're not going to read the whole thing. I'm going to summarize it. Uh, but it's one of my favorite stories in the Bible for several different reasons, and I'll talk about some of those. But it talks about a storm, and this storm wasn't one that we brought on ourselves. How many of you know, how many husbands know, that you can bring on some storm yourself? Mm. Right? So I can do things, I can say things and not even realize that I'm saying something that's, uh, that's about to bring the thunder. But bring, we can bring storms on ourselves. I'm not talking about that kind of storm, and we're not going to see that kind of storm in this story. But each one of us face storms at times, and, and I hope that through the message this morning, through God's word this morning, uh, that we can say to that, sw- that storm, or at least to our spirits, peace, be still. So the storms I want to talk about this morning are, are ones that God takes us in or takes us through, right? So on the outside, kind of like a pineapple, on the outside, chaotic, it looks harmful. If I threw you like a whole pineapple, you probably wouldn't reach out your hands to catch it with glee, right? You'd move away and let it hit. So on the, on the outside, chaotic, looks harmful, looks like it's going to hurt. On the inside, not so much. It's pretty good for us, right? So some of these storms, if we were to appear from the outside, we probably would not choose to step into them. I'm thankful that we don't always get a choice. We don't always get a choice. When the storms are on the horizon, let's just say you're driving down the road, you might begin to make preparations. You're looking for Google to take you around. I'm so thankful that in life, sometimes we don't have a choice to go through the storms. We're going to look at Mark 4. If you want to open your Bibles there and begin to glance through the story, that's cool. Mark chapter 4, thinking of the story starting at verse 35 and going all the way through Mark 5, 21. Let me just summarize that for a moment. 
You can have it, to, you can have it open if you want to and, and be reading through, but I'm, I'm just going to summarize. So we have an instance where God, Jesus, and it's not really too long after he gathers the disciples, that he's having this phenomenal ministry time. He's teaching through some parables. It's, it's pretty cool what you see earlier before this story takes place. It's pretty cool the ministry time that we see happening. When that ministry time is over, Jesus tells the disciples, let's get into the boat. We're going to go across the Sea of Galilee uh, to the region of the Gerasenes. And, and so they all hop in the boat. And, and I don't think that they knew what to expect. I'm sure that they've been on the, the sea many times. Some of them being fishermen were probably on the sea quite often before this. I don't think they were fearful or anxious or anything. I think it was just, kind of, hey, we're going across, going across the Sea of Galilee. While they're on the Sea of Galilee, this storm comes. And if you look into original manuscripts, it actually calls it a whirlwind. And I'm not quite sure what that means, except for I grew up in Florida, and a whirlwind to me would have been like a hurricane. Something coming across the water. We know this is on the Sea of Galilee. A, a hurricane. How many of you have ever seen a water spout? Devastating, right? They, it can cause so much destruction. So apparently they encounter this storm. This storm comes, comes up on them, and probably pretty quick, comes up on them. And it's not just... Uh, it's not just raining and lightning and thundering. The Bible says, or the, the original manuscript says it's a whirlwind. And that the disciples, not only were they afraid, they were fearful for their lives. So it was that harsh. Again, thinking about there's a few in the boat that are probably used to some rough weather and being out on the water. And they were fishermen. They're, they should have been used to this. But something was different about this storm. So they get to the other side of the Sea of Galilee. And they encounter a man who's possessed with many demons. The Bible says legion. So thousands of demons. We see this encounter. Uh, not all, we don't have to talk about all the details, but it's crazy to see that uh, in the beginning, this, this demoniac uh, is chained. He's breaking chains. He's naked. He's living in the tombs and Jesus delivers him. And, and I love it. I love at the uh, end of the story or into this story that the Bible says he's sitting there clothed and that is in his right mind. I love that, right? This transformation that takes place. What's interesting about this is Jesus encounters this guy, he delivers this guy, and then it's, okay, guys, let's get in the boat, we're going back over. And when I first realized this, I was like, well, what in the world? They, they went through all of this, and then they, they ministered to this one guy, and they're heading back over. So let's, let's begin to look into this a little bit deeper, because I want to talk about four things to know about the storm. Four things to know about the storm. And again, I'm talking about a storm that we can be pretty confident that God is taking us through. I don't know, there might be a few cases in scripture where you could argue that God causes the storm. I, I just don't picture my heavenly father, this God who loves me so much, that's just waiting to cause the next storm in my life. But I do know that he can use the storm. And so I want to talk about those storms. But there's four things that we can know about the storm. The first thing is this. The storms can come even when you are going in the right direction. Mark 4.35 in that story says, As evening came, Jesus said to his disciples, Let's cross the other side of the lake. Listen, that's so important for us to know. I don't know about you, but so many times I have felt in life that when a storm happens or when difficult, ha difficulty happens or trials come my way, that I messed up somehow. Has, has anybody else ever been there? Like, oh, or somebody else kind of puts that on you. Oh my goodness, you must be full of sin, right? These storms come and, and sometimes it's not because we've messed up or we, we've gone the wrong direction because we see right here in Mark 4.35 that Jesus tells the disciples to get into the boat and Jesus also says, this is where we're going. This is the direction that we're going. We're going across the lake. 
So storms aren't always an indication that you are in the wrong place or going the wrong direction. In fact, when we can read this story that the storm comes after a time of ministry and during a time when Jesus is trying, he's trying to rest. There's some times in my life that I've noticed and now almost expect that a storm is going to take place. And it's not one of those things where, uh, again, that I feel like God's just waiting to, to make a storm come my way. But there's just been times in my walk with Jesus. So I, I gave my heart to Jesus uh, before I turned five years old. And, and I have loved him and served him ever since. I've been in the ministry since graduating high school. You know, I've gone to the Bible college. And, and I love Jesus. And, and, and there's nothing that I want to do more than to serve him and serve the people that he, he brings around me. And so with that experience, there's times that I've seen and just noticed when I can expect these big storms. And, and here's, here's a few times. When I'm about to accomplish something big, when I'm about to accomplish something big, it's almost like inevitably a storm's going to come my way. And we'll talk a little bit about why in just a few moments. But when I'm about to accomplish something big, a storm comes my way. Is it God that sent the storm? Is the devil sent the storm? I, I, I don't know. But I do know that when I'm about to accomplish something big in the kingdom of God, it's likely that a storm comes my way. And it's how I respond to that that's critical. Another time that I've noticed is when I've just accomplished something big. Right? So in... Um, in our church in Virginia, we were, again, in a small town. The town itself is less than 8,000 people. And when I moved there, I really had to hear God loudly say, this is, the, this is the place that I want you. But it was amazing the things that God did while we were there. Big things in this small town. And that's something that he spoke to me on the drive from Florida to Virginia to South Boston. Uh, on that drive, I remember God just saying, I was kind of stressed out and, you know, just, man, what am I supposed to do? I've read all the books about church planning and I've taken the class about, oh, I took the class to be honest because it was an easy credit. But I took the class about church planning and now God's using me to plant a church. And, and I was kind of stressed out because at that point, and I don't know how it, Paul could probably tell you more, but at that point, you know, Foursquare was like, okay, at, you know, three months, this is supposed to happen. At six months, at 18 months. And that kind of put me in a box and I get a little weirded out, right? So I'm, I'm I'm having this drive, I'm having this conversation with, with God, and, and he just begins to fill me with such peace. And I remember him saying this to me. He says, listen, forget everything that you read. Forget, forget everything that you've heard. Forget what your mentors and coaches have, have. This is not a general statement by any means. The Bible says that just forget all that. And, and, and I was like you. I was like, whoa, okay, what? And he said, just Listen. Just listen for me. Just listen for me to lead you. Just listen for me to guide you. And, and then about 20 minutes later, because it was a pretty long prayer time, I was in the big truck uh, by myself, and I remember him saying, I want to do big things in a small town. One of the big things that he did was we started a music festival. And in a town of, you know, less than 8,000 people, one of, the, one of the years that we did it, we had over 7,000 people in attendance. It was incredible. You know what happened immediately following that? Like Chaos not just in my own personal life, but there were struggles in the church and struggles with, you know, things, rumors being passed around the community. And so I've noticed that when, when I've done something big in the kingdom, a storm comes my way. Sex, a successful event or missions trip. How many of you have ever been on a missions trip? And it's like, whoa, man, you just feel awesome while you're on it. And then you get back and it just seems like, man, trial after trial after trial. 
So the storm is encountered on the journey that Jesus himself told the disciples to take. Listen, some of you need to know this morning, if, if you're in the midst of a trial, in the midst of a storm, as we're calling it this morning, if you're in the midst of a storm, don't automatically assume that you're in the wrong place or going the wrong direction. When I went and planted that church for the first two years, it was so difficult. And I remember so many times people that I trusted saying, well, maybe, maybe you need to move somewhere else. Maybe you need to move somewhere else. But I knew that God had said to be there. So these are the moments that I'm talking about. Some of you might be in the midst of a storm right now. And maybe there's some condemnation or maybe there's some fear, anxiety wrapped on. Man, am I just, am I doing something wrong? I, I felt certain that God told me to do this or maybe it started a new business or make an investment or, you know, whatever that is. And now all this stuff is happening. Sometimes the storm is meant for a greater purpose than just the feelings that we experience in the midst of it. The second point is this. Hey, what time am I supposed to be done? One thirty. The second point is this. The storms can come even when Jesus is in the boat. Let me say that again. The storms can come even when Jesus is in the boat. Mark 4:36, we see it right there. So they took Jesus in the boat. <laughs> you can't be more clear than that, right? They took Jesus in the boat and started out leaving the crowds behind. Listen, our closeness to Jesus does not keep us from experiencing the storms of life. In fact, it may be, may be that it increases the frequency of those storms. Our closeness to Jesus doesn't mean that, it, that life isn't going to be rocky and there's not going to be trials. And I think that's one of the misconceptions as, as Christ followers. We, we have to be real with people as we're discipling them and, and leading them to Jesus. Be real with them because it doesn't get, you know, real easy. Has anybody in here been serving Jesus for, you know, more than a few years? And it's just like, man, everything is just so easy, right? So easy. I, uh, I, I once heard somebody say, if you're not running into the devil, you must be running his way. <laughs> they just run right beside him. Woo! <laughs> just... But if you're butting heads with the devil, most likely you're doing something that's impacting the world around you. So our closest to Jesus does not keep us from experiencing the storms of life. Oh, did I get an answer on when I'm supposed to be done? You, you can't mouth it to me, Kate. You have a mask on. Oh, technically now. I think that's what she was saying. Right now, you're supposed to be done now. So in this story, Jesus chooses, listen to this. It's important for us to see this, the details of this story. In this story, Jesus chooses the boat. He chooses the crew and he chooses the destination, yet they encounter this life-threatening storm. I keep sharing these examples, and maybe I should stop. A few years ago, my son, uh, who was in the picture, he's now 25. He's uh, stationed, well, he's deployed now to Poland. But several years ago, he went through some pretty tough things, and we, we took him to a, um, um, his high places, uh, and it, at that point, it was in Boone, North Carolina. It was going to be a week-long, intense counseling uh, type of thing. And because he was a minor, I needed to be there. One of us, either me and my wife, needed to be there. Uh, and so I, I went with my son, and, and I was told that I would sit in on just a few of the, the sessions, um, but then the, the counselor would work with my son most of the time on their own. 
Uh, well, it ended up being kind of flipped. Like I was in most of the sessions with very few. But I remember something that happened in that, and, and it does have a point here. When I, before I turned one years old, my biological father left, and, and I don't know him. In fact, it, it's less than a year ago, my, my dad, who adopted me when I was three and raised me, and uh, he had to have uh, heart surgery, triple bypass. And so I went down to see him, and we were trying to, my sister and I, who we shared the same biological father, we were trying to find out some of our, our health history, like what's in, what's in the past. I mean, we, it was now like we want to know that. Um, and so she actually did the research and found my biological father who didn't live far from where I grew up. And uh, anyways, I don't have to go into all the details of that, but uh, we didn't find out any of the, any of the history there. Um, but I know that as a young person, as a young adult, I struggled some with the feelings. And I don't even remember it. Like, I don't remember the details of it. I, I know what my mom told me, and she doesn't, she doesn't talk a lot about it. Uh, but I know that it was a bad situation. I know that he was abusive. And, but like, I, don't rem- I don't necessarily remember, but there was still a lot of pain that was inside just because of the knowledge that I have of that. In this counseling session, I, I remember um, the, the counselor was pushing me to forgive. At that point, I, honestly, I didn't even know my biological father's name. Like I know that it was mentioned, but I, it's just never talked about. And, uh, so I didn't really know his name. And so I was being pressed to, to forgive my biological father by putting his name in this blank of a prayer that was pre-written. And I kept pushing back, oh, no, man, Terry, no, it's, everything's cool, man. There's nothing going on inside that I need. There's not, no healing, no nothing. And he kept pressing me and kept pressing me. Well, I didn't do it. And then we came back the next day and he pressed me again. So I finally was like, just to make this guy shut up, I'm going to put it in there. So I said, Terry, I don't know his name. I'm just going to put bio dad. I was being real sarcastic. I'm never sarcastic, but maybe a, maybe a little. So I just put bio, but this is what happened. When I began to read that prayer, because that was part of it, and I got to that blank where it just said bio dad, I broke. Like so, so many emotions and so much pain began to surface. And in the dealing of that, this is, this is the point. In the dealing of that, the counselor said to me this. He says, I, I want you to just appease me and go through an exercise with me. He says, I want you to, to, to think back at, to the time where your biological father left. And I'm like, Terry, I don't remember that. I, was, you know, I wasn't even one years old. He says, I realize that. And you don't have to picture details of the room. This doesn't have to be some type mystic thing, but just you're feeling the pain. That's a real pain. So place yourself back when your biological father left. And I'm like, woo, now I'm really starting to get even more emotional and more pain surfacing. And then he said this to me. He said, look around the room. And I'm like, what are you doing? (laughs) Okay, I'm looking around the room. He says, find Jesus. I was like, find Jesus. He says, I promise you this. When your biological father left, Jesus was there. He was in the room. In this case, as we see this storm hitting, in the midst of your pain, in the midst of your trial, in the midst of your struggle, I would say this, look around, because Jesus, he's there. You just got to take the time to look. You got to take the time to, you know, the Bible, when it says, seek and you will find, that's not talking about those who are unsaved. It's talking to us Christians. Isn't that crazy? Did you know that? Like when the Bible, that verse, seek and you will find, is actually speaking to us as those who are already Christ followers, to seek and find. And, and in, this, in this passage, for me, experiencing the pain, the storms, and just seeking Jesus, I find Jesus. If you're in those moments of trials and pain and struggles and storms, just seek Jesus because the Bible says you'll find him. Just look around the room. No matter where the pain's happening, no matter where the experience is, just look around you. I promise you this, that Jesus, Jesus is there. Let me scoot forward to the third point because I'm out of time. 
I only have five more points. The storms are not always, just, no, I'm kidding. The storms are not always meant to inhibit progress. They are meant to enhance character. The storms are not always meant to inhibit progress. They are meant to enhance character. And we can see that in verse 40. But listen to this. Inhibit means to impede, hinder, hold back, discourage, interfere, slow down, frustrate, stop, or prevent. Listen, I'm out of time, so I'm going to start speaking faster and faster. It'll probably end up in tongues. Are there any interpreters in the room? Okay, one interpreter in the back room, so I'm free. This is good. I'm kidding. In the midst of the storm, the choices we make will, be, will determine who we are when the storm subsides. Let me read that again. In the midst of the storm, the choices we make will determine who we are when the storm subsides. Listen, fear, stress, anxiety, those aren't good times to make decisions. In the midst of the storm, sometimes those aren't good times to now change the trajectory of your life and your life plan and life goals. And that's not the time. The time at that point is to look for Jesus. Just find Jesus. Be careful that you don't try to exit the storm before you look for Jesus. Because you're, you're supposed to be there for a time. I would, imagine, I would imagine Jesus would have been more pleased with the disciples if they would have just found him in the midst of the storm and curled up beside him and went to sleep. That's not what they did. And I would admit that that's not what I do most often. I don't find Jesus and then just rest. Enhance means this, to intensify, increase, or further improve the quality, value, or extent. So in the midst of the storm, that storm that we're talking about isn't supposed to impede you. It's supposed to enhance your character. I love what James 1 verses 2 through 4 says. Dear brothers and sisters, when troubles of any kind come your way, consider it an opportunity for great joy. How many of y'all in the midst of pain and struggles and trials and storms, you're like, woohoo, yeah. Anybody? Nobody. Nobody, right? But it says that. Consider it an opportunity for great joy. For you know that when your faith is tested, your endurance has a chance to grow. So let it grow. For when your endurance is fully developed, listen to this, you will be perfect and complete, needing nothing. That's not what the disciples did. They kind of went a little crazy. In fact, in Mark 4.40, Jesus asked this question, why are you afraid? Jesus is challenging the disciples with this question. Because external circumstances should never hinder the internal transformation of our character. External circumstances should never hinder the internal transformation of our character. So why is Jesus concerned about enhancing our character? We get to this last point. The storms are often about the one on the other side. This is one of the reasons I love this story. The storms are often about the one on the other side. Mark 5, 2. So they arrived on the other side of the lake in the region of the Gerasenes. When Jesus climbed out of the boat, a man possessed by an evil spirit came out from the tombs to meet him. Listen, the storm is about the one we become in order to reach the one to whom we are sent. I'll get off my notes so I don't keep tarrying there. In this storm, the storm that they faced was about developing the character of the disciples because of who they were about to minister to. I mean, I can't tell you, I can't stress how important this is for us as Christ followers to weather the storms of life well in a way that our character, the Christ-likeness within us is developed because God is always taking you to someone else. It's just his heart. Right? Life is not about me. It's not about just my next step and the fun that I can find in my next step. Or even if it's the people on the journey that God has me on that's most important. 
But if my character isn't being developed to be like Jesus in the midst of the storm, then not only will I miss those people altogether, I won't have it in me to minister to them when I do encounter them. Jesus ministers to this one guy, this one guy, and sets him free from many demons. And then it's like, okay, disciples, we're getting back in the boat and we're going back. If I was a disciple, I was like, yo, wait a second, man. We just went through all that to minister to one man? Jesus' answer would have been yes. Yes. Now think about this guy, because now Jesus is getting into the boat with the disciples. This guy who's just been delivered. Remember, I, I think it's uh, one, of the, one of the gospels describes him as now sitting next to Jesus, clothed and in his right mind. But now he approaches Jesus and says, I want to go with you. And Jesus says, No. I want you now to go tell everybody what's happened in your life. This is incredible to me. This guy, to me, like becomes the first missionary to this pagan area. Because now he goes back and it says this in the scripture, that as he was telling people what happened, everybody was amazed. This is incredible to me. Listen, sometimes the storm is, is about the one that's on the other side in the midst of the storm, allowing God to develop Christ-like character within us so that when we get to the other side of the storm and encounter that one person, if it's just one person that God brings our way, we have it within us to minister effectively. Let's close our eyes. Listen, I'm with you. Many times in the midst of the storm, I make the storm about me. I make it about my confusion and my doubt. I make it about my fear. I make it about my pain. I make it about my struggles and my trials. And many times in the midst of the storm, that's exactly what my prayers are focused on. But let's look at this story as an opportunity for us, no matter what storm you might be facing, no matter what trial, no matter what pain you might be facing currently in this, this time of your life, that we can... We can Look for Jesus. And not only that, sometimes I believe that as we say peace be still, it's not about the storm subsiding, it's about what's happening within subsiding. So there's two points as we close that I, I want you to begin to focus on. If you're in the midst of a storm, and even if you're not because one's on the way, that's just kind of the nature of being a Christ follower. What kind of development needs to happen inside? What kind of character needs to be enhanced, built? What needs to happen so that you look more like Jesus? Act more like Jesus. Speak more like Jesus. Pray more like Jesus. Love more like Jesus. Because as you walk through that storm and come out the other side, who's the one there that God wants you to minister to? Maybe it's the one person at work. Maybe it's the one person in your family. Maybe it's the one person from your past that for whatever reason, God has laid their names and their faces on your heart for the past several weeks. And you're just wondering like, why is this happening? And you just keep dismissing that. Maybe that's the one that God wants you to minister to. Many times the storms we face in life are about becoming like Jesus. Where not only can I rest in the midst of the storm, but when I get to the other side, I'm ready to, to minister to anybody that God brings my way. God, I thank you so much for who you are. You are awesome and gracious, God. I thank you that in the midst of the storm, all we have to do is look around the boat and we find you. Lord, I thank you that in the midst of the storm, when our response is appropriate, when our response is the way that Jesus would respond to the storm, that we become more like Jesus. 
God, I pray that in, in the midst of the storm, we look for you. Our eyes are open to see you. And then when we, as we get to the other side of the storm, our eyes are open to see the ones that you would bring for us to minister to. Thank you, God, for the truth and the power of your word. Let us apply it to our lives so that we can see transformation, not just in our heart, but in the world around us. In Jesus' name, amen. For more information on Grace Covenant Church, our service times, ministry opportunities, directions, and more, visit us at gracecovenant.org.